Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. What is up, my friend? Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Graham Baldwin here. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great day. Hope uh, life's treating good. Hope you've had a great summer. We are into September now, and uh, we are just a couple days away from starting the Speaker Lab Summit. Yes, that is right. That is, again, something you've been hearing us talk about for the past several weeks and months, and it is nearly here. And I got to say, we are stoked. I cannot wait for this. Really pumped about it. We've been doing a lot of work behind the scenes just to line up some of the best of the best speakers and make this a huge, huge event and just a great experience for you, the the listener and the viewer. Because, in fact, I don't know if you knew this, but these are all actually online video interviews, meaning that you don't have to go anywhere. You can stay home. You can watch from your jammy jams. That's totally fine. All right. You don't have to dress up. You don't have to fly anywhere. You don't have to leave your family. None of that stuff. And again, it's all video. So you're able to not just have to, to listen, but you can actually see and watch as well. Plus, the best part is you can watch all of these videos for free. Yes, that's right. You can go over to thespeakerlabsummit.com, thespeakerlabsummit.com. Register for your free ticket for the Speaker Lab Summit because you're not going to want to miss out. So uh, in the last episode, episode 93, we shared with you just a couple of clips from two of our speakers, Pat Flynn and Tim Sanders. So if you haven't already, definitely go back and listen to that. Today, we're going to share with you uh, two more clips from a couple of our speakers. Today, we're going to be hearing from Andy Andrews and from Dan Miller. Both of these guys are guys that do a lot of speaking, but they're also uh, well-known authors. have had very successful books and are really, really good about how they've built their business beyond the stage. So with Andy, we're going to be talking about why the value of a speaker is the most important thing that a speaker can offer. So why it's so important for a speaker to to create that value and determine that value. In fact, he, he gives a great analogy later on. I don't even think, you, you, I don't think you're going to hear this clip, but I'm just going to tease you about it. He, he gives kind of an idea of how a speaker could hypothetically charge a million dollars which is crazy to think about. So we're going to talk about that today. We're going to be talking about why it's important for speakers to set themselves up for success and how that can be detrimental to your career otherwise. We're going to also talk about how to, if you determine the value that you offer as a speaker, that the subject doesn't really matter as much. And so we actually get into that in the later half of the conversation, which you're not going to hear. So I'm just, I'm just teasing you a little bit. I'm just, I, I know I'm toying with your emotions right now. So that's what you're going to hear in the first little bit is that conversation and interview with Andy Andrews. Uh, on the second half, you're going to hear the first little bit of our conversation with Dan Miller. So Dan is a uh, author of the 48 Days to the Work You Love is the work that he's most known for. He also does some speaking. And so we talk about how to use speaking to build your coaching business. So this is something that we've touched on with several of the guests within the uh, the Speaker Lab Summit is that there's a lot of, of you that I know are interested in speaking, but you're also interested in building your platform. And so speaking is just one way to do that. And so we've interviewed people uh, related to books and publishing and online courses and list building and podcasting and webinars and all of those online types of activities. 
But then we're also going to be talking uh, with Dan today all about how he uses speaking to build his coaching business. So with Dan, we talk about how you find your core message as a speaker. We talk about seven ways that you can actually share your message with others. We talk about uh, how to use speaking to pick up coaching clients, a process to use when coaching people. And we also talk a little bit about coaching certification. So we get into that again a little bit more in the second half of the interview, which you're going to have to stick around for the summit in order to hear the entire thing. So again, we're going to just play you a couple of clips from both of these. So the first little bit you're going to hear is from the conversation with Andy Andrews, and then we'll roll right into the conversation with Dan Miller, and then I'll come back at the end and wrap everything up. So let's get into it. Enjoy. Hey there, friends. Graham Baldwin here. Hey, today we are joined by author and speaker Andy Andrews, who's uh, been at this for a little while, learned several things along the way, and uh, here to share his wisdom and knowledge with us. So, Andy, first of all, why don't you give us just a, a quick high-level view of, uh, of what you speak about, some of the different organizations and groups that you speak to, and uh, how speaking fits into your business, and we'll, we'll kind of go from there. Well, I, you know, I'm uh, kind of all over the map, Grant. I, I, uh, I literally, I don't really focus on uh, one particular thing. There's, uh, it, it's really just, if I focus on one thing, it would be results. And so uh, that's kind of it. And I, um, I've been speaking for quite a while. And I, I speak to corporations, to teams, uh, let's see, churches, um, sometimes um, uh, I, I do a lot of military stuff. And uh, so just really all over the map and, and all over the map corporately as well. Let's, uh, I'm curious on something like that because uh, for a lot of speakers, especially when you're getting started, we say we say something similar in that I want to speak about a bunch of different topics and there's a bunch of different audiences that I would like to speak to. Because oftentimes we're coming into it from a place of, I just, I just want to help. You know, I just want to, I want to make a little dent in the world. Uh, I just want to help. And so who, who do you want to speak to? I want to speak to humans, you know, well, I want to talk about everything, which is really, really hard to market that way. But it sounds like over the course of your career that you're at a point where you do speak to a wide variety of audiences on a wide variety of topics. So I'm curious, that works maybe today, but has that always been the case? Have you always been able to speak to a wide variety of, of, uh, of audiences? How do you market to those? What, what does that kind of look like? You know, I, I was speaking to a wide variety of audiences, but I probably didn't know why at the point. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I came out of a, a comedy world. And uh, I worked as a comedian for years. Uh, I always wanted to be a speaker, but you know, when you're in your 20s and early 30s, you know, maybe it's like, who wants to hear what you've got to say? Sure. And so, you know, I didn't have enough uh, gray in my hair, and and so I, I I guess the only way I knew how to get on stage was comedy, and and so I did that for a good while. I and I you know I had some success with it. I toured with Joan Rivers for two years, with uh, Kenny Rogers for five, and. Man, everybody from Garth Brooks to Randy Travis to Cher and Chaka Khan. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was all over the map. Uh, but it taught me a lot. It taught me a lot about relating to people and, and how, to, uh, how to really get any kind of an audience. And I mean any kind of an audience. Sure. I, I mean, touring with Chaka Khan, I was the only white guy. I, and I'm talking about the audience backstage, on stage, the buses. I mean, and um, and so you learn a lot about relating. And and so I, I really believe that uh, my my uh, focus, while it, it may seem, you know, I'm sitting here listening as you talk, and and as 
as we discuss this, my focus may seem like it's scattered, but I'm really focused in on principles uh, because I, I've always wanted to identify some things that really affected everybody. And so the principles that I, I speak on really kind of affect all businesses, they affect all teams, and, um, and I can keep that as a focus and really get the results that I'm wanting. Is it possible to spread yourself too thin by trying to speak on topics that are relatable to everybody and every business needs to hear this and every human needs to hear this? Is it possible to, to almost water it down in that way? Well, it's, it's possible for clients to water you down. You know, it, it's possible for clients to ask for things that, that you can't deliver. Yeah. And, um, and they, they can put parameters around you that you cannot deliver. And I'll tell you what, um, if you can't deliver those parameters, you better not make the attempt. Um, because ultimately, it, it shows up in your, in your price, in the price you can get. I mean, as a speaker, you know, obviously, you're talking to speakers here, and, and they want to make a living speaking. And, um, and, you know, and, and frankly, you can get, <clears throat> you can get $500, $1,000 a speech and it, it, the demands are not, they're not desperate. Okay. Uh, people are, people are kind of fine. They're patient and they're, I mean, companies will spend a thousand dollars. All right. Yeah. But, but uh, you know, you, you get to speaking around 20 and $30,000 a speech. They care. Right. Okay? And you, you better not just be adequate. You better be great. Right. And you better be great every time. Well, the challenge with that is that sometimes you start to see, uh, clients uh, put, you know, put things in place that uh, put you in a position of not delivering your best. All right, uh, and I guess an extreme example of that would be, um, okay, we had. I know we have you booked for an hour, but uh, we need to cut you down to ten minutes, and we want you to make sure they're laughing and crying and have the same impact. Well. You know, okay, but you you can't do it, right? You know? right. And um, and so, and so, beware of wanting a date so badly that you put your that you allow somebody else to put you in a position of not delivering your best. Because if you want to make a career of it, and you want to have a long term impact, and you want to appear in front of, uh, you know the most people and the biggest audiences and consistently, you know, ha have a career doing this, you got to be consistently great. And so, so the, the issue is that there are so many little things that you need to learn in order uh, to put that forward. And so, and, and so I, I guess what I'm saying is that, that there, there are little things like the audience being close or the audience not being scattered out mm -hmm. or, um, you, you know, things that affect an audience's response. Um, you know, the sound system, the lighting, there, there's a lot of things that affect an audience's response. Well, 
as a speaker, you're doing it. You're doing it all the time. That's what you do for a living. Mm-hmm. You know, they're having a convention once a year, and maybe once in this person's lifetime, it's their year to get to book the speaker, right? Right. right. So, so they don't know what you know. And, and a lot of times they don't know the reason that you ask for certain things or certain situations to be set. But if, and, and obviously you have to learn how to communicate those things in the proper way. But if you allow it to just go on like it is, um, let's say that, you know, some for the first time ever, you're getting $10,000. Okay. And so you go in and they put you in a situation where, when, um, you know, where the, the lighting isn't really good and the sound is they're having to listen very closely and they're scattered out in there and there's 500 seats and there's only 280 of them and they're scattered out and the first four rows, the first four front rows are empty. And, um, you know, there's flowers along the front of the stage. That's a barricade between you and the audience. And, um, you know, they put you, uh, you know, during cocktail hour. And, and so, you know, but, you know, they're paying you $10,000 and some good grief. Hey, I'm going to do it. Yeah, you know, I'm going to do it no matter what. I'm going to do it. Well, see, the issue is that nobody ever walks out because the response, I mean, I don't care who you are. I don't care who you are. You go in that situation, response is not going to be what it could have been. All right. Yeah. And so, so. Uh, the the issue is that there is not an audience alive and not a convention programmer alive that ever walks out of there going, well, you know, we, we really couldn't hear him very well. The sound system wasn't good. You know, there, there was uh, uh, it, the connection with the audience was not, you know, because the first row was like uh, 30 feet from the guy and uh, the lighting wasn't good. And, you know, we put him in a wrong time. Nobody ever walks out thinking that. What they walk out thinking is, he wasn't that great. Yeah. He wasn't, I tell, I'll tell you this. He wasn't worth $10,000. We had a $2,500 guy last year that was as good as that. And so the further problem is that next week when they talk to somebody that's booking their convention, they say, hey, did you have you know Joe Blow? And they say, yeah. Yeah, we did. How was he? He was all right. He wasn't worth $10,000. I'll tell you that. Yeah. And pretty soon – you ain't getting 10. Right, right. That's so true that uh, oftentimes you come into a situation as a speaker and uh, not because the the client is doing it intentionally, but you feel like you've been set up for failure. Like so many of those little nuances, like you said, that really impact a speaker that they just don't think through. They just need, I just need a room and I need to put some warm bodies in there. And I need to give them a mic and I feel like I've done my part. Uh, so how much of that then is on the responsibility of the speaker of in that situation? I know what I would do in trying to create, make a room as small as possible despite the size and come maybe come down off the stage and making sure that people can still see me and trying to get as close to the audience. So how much of that do you personally do uh, either beforehand or during uh, just to make sure that you, even though some of these things are stacked against you, that uh, you, you at least hopefully stack the deck back in your favor a little bit? Let me tell you how much I do. Every single bit of it I need to do to make sure that it's done. Right. I mean, every single bit. Uh, you know, I will talk when I get there and I'll explain. Now, we've already put it in the, you know, in the contract writers and, and, um, and we've explained in the contract writers. And, and, and so, you know, occasionally you'll go in. It's rare to go in and have a place 
actually do everything that's in the contract writer. Right. Okay. Sometimes you go in and they've got everything done in the contract writer. And they said, I know it said that you wanted a stool with a glass of water right next to the stage. Is that in the right place? And so, you know, and you can see that, man, they've obsessed over this. They've really gone, well, you want to calm everybody down. And so what I always say is, wow, I, man, I appreciate that. You know what? I, I think I probably need to read that contract writer act because between me and you, I am not as, uh, I'm not as inflexible as that probably makes me seem. Right, right, right. And so, yeah, you want to make friends with these guys. It, you know, not only do you want to make friends with them because they're, that's the boss, okay, but you want to make friends with them uh, because they're, they're, there will be some shifts, some changes, you know, some things. Yeah. <clears throat> but, I mean, this, the stories are out there just, uh, you know, just there's a million stories about right. people going and saying, hey, I need the house lights on. Sorry, we don't put them on. Yep. Really? Okay. You know, and, and so you got to have some rapport with these people and, you know, curiously, curiously to this day, the more the client is paying, the easier the day will be. Yeah. I'm just telling you, I mean, to this, to this day, you know, I occasionally do things and uh, they're, you know, I absolutely free. I, I just do it for hours, but I, but my office knows, and I know, you go in and do something for free, we are going to work harder on this free date than we ever will on somebody paying full price. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why that is. But <laughs> they, they, uh, they, you, you value things that you spend more on. It. I guess. I mean, we figured out years and years ago, you know, I used to do a lot of college concerts, and, mm-hmm. and uh, I had, like, no money. I mean, uh, you know, my manager and I were like, we were broke. Right. And so the one thing we put in our contract writer was two t-shirts from the college that we were performing at, you know, was, <laughs> no, everybody thought it was kind of funny, but it was like, really it was like one for him, one for me. I mean, we were trying to get something to wear. Um, but occasionally it was rare, but it was occasionally we would run into a college that would mark that out. No, no t-shirts invariably it was a disaster. They were just horrible to work with. You know, it's just like not even going to give you t-shirts. And- hey there, my friends, Graham Baldwin here. Hey, today I'm joined by my buddy, Dan Miller, who is the uh, the author of 48 Days to Work. And Dan, listen, man, I got, I actually got a couple of days. I got the hardback, I got the paperback, and then I found uh, no, more, more, no More Mondays as well. So we got a few of Dan's products here. It's been a huge influence in my life. And so uh, honored to have him uh, hang out with us today. So first of all, Dan, why don't you give us kind of a, a high level view of your business, what it is that you do. And then also let's talk about how speaking fits into your business. Absolutely. Well, I've been privileged to be in this space for a very long time now. Really, author, speaker, coach would kind of encompass most of the things that I do. But I came into this by simply teaching a Sunday school class, helping people understand these inevitable, relentless transitions we go through in our career, doing it just as a service to the community and church, not thinking that that would ever be part of a business. But the needs were so great. There were so many people that gravitated to that message that it turned into the things like you just held up in your hand there, you know, books. And with that, then, speaking opportunities, coaching opportunities, helping people through these processes. So that's what I do. I, I get to live this privileged life, as you know, uh, of being an author, speaker, coach. 
Very cool. And so are you still, are you still doing much speaking today or how does, uh, how much speaking are you doing? What does speaking look like in kind of the, the big picture of the, the 48 days world? Well, I'm pretty spoiled in the, with the property where I live and work. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did travel a lot. Joanne and I, my wife and I, I spoke at seven major conferences in the first part of 2016. And so I traveled more. That's for me, that's more than normal to do that. Even one a month is about my average to get out and speak. So it's a nice component, but I don't like being gone a whole lot. So my primary focus is to produce content that I can leverage where I don't have to go travel to deliver the message. I like that connection with people, but about once a month is pretty much my quota for being out at an actual speaking engagement. So since you do so few speaking engagements, how do you kind of pick and choose which ones make sense for you? Are you doing uh, ones that are mostly, hey, I'm just doing it primarily just for the check or I'm doing it primarily because uh, I know that my audience is going to be there and I'm able to sell books or products or what's kind of the win for you in speaking? Yeah. Uh, first and foremost is location. <laughs> 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 you know, it's funny because I get a lot of requests and uh, I always sit down with my wife, Joanne, you know, and she'll say, no, no, no. And oh, wow, like uh, we just got back from England. You know, I had an opportunity to speak at New Media Europe in London. Well, I I was, my first response was a no, just because of the time involved. But because it was London, and because we love to go to England, we decided just to tack on a couple weeks beyond that. So it's always a combination of a speaking opportunity and a mini vacation. That's just how I view them. But in regard to your your real question here, and it's a very important one, it's never because of the check that I'm going to get. Some of the best speaking opportunities I have, there is no check, but it's because I'm in front of people who are perfect candidates for everything else that I do in my business. So I don't have, I'm not just a paid speaker, I'm a speaker who has a very robust infrastructure of other things that we do. We do live events, we have Programs like Coaching Master that people get involved in. We have a whole lot of physical products, courses. Those are really the essence of my business. Speaking is just the tip of the iceberg to help fuel those things. And when it fits and it feels like fun, I get out there and speak. That that probably sounds like a sloppy answer since you're a speaker, but I'm not real intentional about speaking being a big part of my business, especially when it comes to financially. It's not. No, not at all. I mean, I don't think, I don't think at all. It's, a, it's I mean, there's a lot of times where I make my own uh, speaking decisions based on where it is. Uh, and my <laughs> wife contributes to that. So if I have an invite to speak in, in Florida at the beach, I'm a lot more likely to take that versus something in North Dakota. Uh, and no offense to people in North Dakota. So, uh, so yeah, that's absolutely a, it can be a factor of what is just, what, what is fun? What do you enjoy doing? And where does that, you know, where does that, uh, the, the speaking opportunities align with that? So, okay. So I'm curious, one of the things that you mentioned that you do a lot of, uh, is you do some coaching, but then you also teach a lot about coaching. So yes. uh, curious for, for, you know, a lot of speakers, one of the things that we, we want to do, and you kind of touched on this yourself is that speaking is an opportunity. It's one way to share a message. It's a one way to help people. There's a lot of ways that you can do that. And so one of the challenges for speakers is starting to build a business beyond the stage. So I go speak and then I come home and that's kind of the end of the transaction, but there's only so much help I can provide in giving that one talk. So coaching is a great way to work with people, uh, to help them beyond the stage and to help them with, you know, their, their business or personal life in whatever way. So how can we take speaking engagements and begin to turn them into coaching opportunities? 
Yeah, great question. I've always viewed my business as a Venn diagram, three circles that intersect. In the very center of those where they all overlap is writing. Writing for me is the core of what I do, but the writing fuels the other things. So then speaking, coaching, live events, those are all parts of that seven composite diagram that I have. And what I do is teach people if they want to coach, Coaching is hard to make work as the only singular thing that you do. But if you coach and you speak and you do a couple live events and you have affiliate uh, opportunities and you maybe have a membership site, all of a sudden the comp composition of all of those things make a very, very interesting picture. So we've helped a lot of coaches and a lot of speakers leverage their message. What I do with speakers is, okay, what is your message? Tell me what your core message is that you want to share. Now all we have to do is look at what are other ways that we can allow people to access that message where you may not be in front of them personally, but they can access your message. So we can look at audio programs, we can look at courses, we can look at live events, you know, we can look at coaching. That's the way I take somebody who has a message as a speaker, but we simply leverage that message. One, one of the most popular videos that I, that I did here a while ago with my buddy Michael Hyatt was how to make $150,000 this year leveraging your message and that has been viewed that's the most the highest viewed video Michael Hyatt has ever had he said but it's helped people see how to take the core message and leverage it what bothers me what I, I cringe at is when I see a speaker who has a paid speaking fee and wow now in the next six weeks they don't have anything booked and they're desperate because they have no income I'm my I, what I tell them if you have a core message Let's give people ways to access that message, even if you're not standing on the stage. And all of a sudden, we've got this real smooth, continuous business that provides ongoing residual income, even if you aren't on a plane or in a hotel this week. Gotcha. So you mentioned that, um, that, that you have to start with that core message. So how do you kind of identify what that core message should be? I think that's a, a big struggle for a lot of speakers is feeling like there's so many different topics that I'm interested in. And you do, you know, you've helped a lot of people on the, the career side of things. Uh, and I know that, that, again, your work was very influential for me. And I had that kind of that same struggle of going, there's 900 different topics that I'm interested in, <laughs> different career paths that I could take. So when you're trying to figure out what that core message should be, how do you start to narrow it down to figure out, you know, this is what I'm all about. These are all things I could do, but this is what I'm going to focus on. How do you, how do, you do that? <laughs> you sound like all those crazy, neurotic, creative people out there. <laughs> I, that's a great place to start. It's a wonderful place to start where you have a lot of ideas. But you can't just chase every rabbit. Ultimately, you have to narrow down, have some kind of a focus. What is that going to be? But there ought to be something that you, a person has that is really a compelling message. I mean, I tell people who want to write books. You don't write books because you're good with semantics and grammar and punctuation. You write a, a, a book that does really well because you have a message that you cannot keep to yourself. You are so compelled to share that message. The same thing should be true of speaking. So there ought to be something that, that comes to the top. I mean, I speak on how to find your sweet spot. Most of the speaking I've done this year has been on that. How to find your sweet spot. How to get that beautiful blend convergence of passion, talent, and money. And recognizing the challenges if any one of those three legs of the stool is missing. If you have passion and talent but no money, you have a hobby. I mean, that's okay, but recognize it for what it is. Unless you can somehow create a financial model with that, it's just a hobby. But there, So there are two or three things that I love to speak about, but you can't just assign me a topic and 
tell me I'm a good speaker, so speak about that. It won't work. I only speak well about something that I really care about. So I would encourage a person, narrow down what are two or three things, not just where you can polish a message and deliver it with grace and ease. No, something that you really, that comes from your heart. I think it's, it's too transparent these days. People will pick up on it if they think you're just you're doing a performance. The real thing is, is this a heartfelt message that you share with confidence? So once you kind of narrow down what that core message is, you mentioned that you had, had seven different ways that you can kind of leverage that message, that message and, and to share it with other people. So you mentioned kind of coaching, speaking. Can you, can you walk us through those seven again? Well, there would be coaching, speaking, doing live events. We do affiliate. We have a lot of affiliate relationships with other people. We have a membership site. Um, how many is that? I mean, we could go on and on with the kind of things that we can do with that. I mean, creating courses, online courses, like through Udemy and Linda, with the same message. The, the message is the same. My message is, you know, helping people discover their strongest God-given talent and then how to apply that in daily work that's meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Wow, I, I can share that message. I mean, we have audio programs. We have a whole lot of content, eBooks. All those things are just simply ways to share that same message. But it removes the pressure from me having to get one more speaking gig to pay the mortgage this month. Right. I don't have that pressure at all. Right. So one of the challenges is you can have a huge list of potential ways that you could present that message. Like you mentioned, a book, audio course, video course, you know, trainings, live events, speaking, coaching, consult, all these different options. I know what my core message is. How do I kind of pick from all of these? Because I know sometimes it's easy to look going like, well, it's, man, they got this and this and this and this and this and this and this. But like, you know, as you well know, Dan, you have all those different things, but you didn't have those things overnight. So how do you figure out which one of those, and once I know my core message, which one of those uh, opportunities to start with first? Well, I'm, I'm big on having goals and having a strategic plan and an outline for how I'm going to use my time. And, you know, you can't do everything at once. At the same time, these things can fuel each other along the way together. So there's really no obstacle to create an ebook, as an example. If you wanted to do a traditionally published book, 240 pages, 72,000 words, you know, with a major publisher, yeah, that's a long-term project. But you can do an ebook this afternoon and have it out there on Kindle and Amazon tomorrow. So there's no obstacle to doing a lot of these things. And I would encourage you to have four or five ways very quickly that people can access your message. You might want to start a Facebook group around the content of your message. Do an ebook. You know, put together a live event where you invite four other people who are in the same kind of content space and invite people into that. Those are things to be done almost simultaneously. So it's not to be, you know, create this overwhelming sense of you're, you're really too busy, but it's being strategic about how can I give people access to my message in multiple ways. You know, when people say, I've got this, you know, I want to write a book. Should I do a traditional book? Should I do an ebook? You know, should I make it available through audio? And I'm like, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I want people to be able to choose how they want to experience my message. I don't want to have one set format only for them to get my message. 
All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed those conversations with Andy Andrews and Dan Miller. Again, you can hear those interviews and conversations in their entirety by going over to thespeakerlabsummit.com. Again, thespeakerlabsummit.com. Register for your free ticket so that you don't miss out on this. Again, the summit's going to be from September 11th through the 23rd. And during that time, we are going to have all 40 plus interviews that are going to be streaming for free for a couple days. So you're going to want to make sure you register so you don't miss out on your favorite speaker. All right. So I think that wraps up today's episode, episode 94. Again, we will catch you next time. And again, make sure that you register for the Speaker Lab Summit by going over to thespeakerlabsummit.com. And we'll see you over there real soon, my friend. You're awesome. Awesome.